From him who is the resurrection and the life, be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our epistle lesson from the sixth chapter of Romans, where it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is our text. Alleluia! Christ is risen! Alleluia! There is no more significant phrase in the human language, in any language, than those three words. Christ is risen. And it's an incredible claim, because if it's true, and it is true, then everything we know about life and death, everything we think we know about life and death, is completely turned upside down, inside out, turned all around. This morning, these three words fill our mouths and they overflow from our hearts. Because Jesus' resurrection brings hope to those who are living in despair. Jesus' resurrection brings joy to people who are living in grief and mourning. Jesus' resurrection brings life to those who are living surrounded by death. There is no more significant phrase ever spoken than our joy-filled proclamation, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, alleluia. So for the last six weeks, we've been thinking about the good news that we believe as Christians, and we've been thinking about how we confess the gospel of Jesus Christ in a short, sweet little phrase that we can easily share with other people. We've been trying to put it and boil it down, simmer it down to just seven words. And I have to tell you, you have it on the sheet before you, you all have come up with really, really good seven-word proclamations, explanations of the gospel. I'm going to share a few of them with you once again this morning. These are so good. My salvation rests in Christ's redeeming work. What powerful seven words. Or God created, we disobeyed, Jesus salvaged us. Or even I'll share Christ's eternity absolutely guaranteed. Or God saw, Christ came, we live. Or God's love is free, forgiving, and forever. And this one, God graces salvation. I confess Jesus Christ alone. Man, those are so good. They are so helpful. They reflect a deep and profound faith in all of you, in these responses that you have shared with us and that you now will be sharing with other people in your daily lives. So I want to thank you this morning for spending these last six weeks thinking about this, putting these phrases forward, and now finding and looking for opportunities to share them with other people in your daily lives as a springboard to share your faith, and your hope in Jesus Christ who is crucified and risen again. But on this Easter morning, I want to craft just one more version of this gospel. On this great day of resurrection, I'd like to try to capture the significance 
of Jesus' victory over the grave using only seven words. You think we can do it? We've done it to this point so far. I think we can do it again. So our first three words are already set. Christ is risen. As we've been saying all morning, Christ is risen, and that's a great way to start, but we still have four more words. If you look at my little message in the uh, bulletin this morning, you'll see that there are four blanks there. Maybe you want to fill in your own, or maybe you want to fill in the one that we come up with a little bit later. So we've got four more words to capture what makes Jesus' resurrection so significant to us. So as we've been doing all Lent, let's see if we can summarize the Easter gospel in just seven words by completing this sentence. Christ is risen, and then four more words. Now, there are a number of different directions we could go. Christ is risen, let's go hunt eggs. Maybe you did find some this morning. But there's so much more to Easter, isn't there, than just chocolate and Easter bunnies? Or how about this? Christ is risen and breakfast was delicious. Yeah, maybe it was and maybe it will be after church this morning, but, but that can't be it either. Or maybe this one. Maybe some of you are happy to have your family home. Everybody's gathered together. Maybe people have come in from out of town and they're with you today. And so maybe you're thinking, Christ is risen, the gang's all here. They might be, and that might be great, but that is not the good news either. It's, it's good news, but it's not the good news. Truth be told, these Phrases that we've been throwing out so far this morning aren't anything close to the gospel. The good news is so much more significant, so much more life-changing, so much more consequential than these Easter traditions and celebrations that we all have in our lives. So let's think about some other options here this morning. Let's examine just a few more worthy possibilities. I'm going to share with you maybe three of them today. So before Jesus died, Jesus told his disciples that, that he would rise from the dead. In fact, several times the, gospel tell us, the Gospels tell us that Jesus made this prediction, that he made this promise, that he was going to rise again from the dead. But it wasn't just Jesus. The prophets of old who lived hundreds of years before Jesus already began to predict and proclaim that when the Messiah came, he would rise again from the dead. So we'd be mistaken if we thought of Jesus' resurrection as just one more biblical miracle in a long line of biblical miracles. Or even if we imagined it as simply just another sign of God's might and his power. No, Jesus' resurrection was the fulfillment of God's word throughout all the ages, from the beginning of time. It was the core of God's meticulously crafted plan of salvation. Jesus had promised that he would rise from the dead, and when he did, he proved that he was God. He proved his divinity. He vindicated everything that he had ever said or ever done. And because Jesus rose again from the dead, we can trust every single thing he says. And every single thing he said throughout the entire course of his life and ministry. So how do we capture that whole thing in seven words? 
Well, how about this? Christ is risen, just as he said. That's true, and it's very significant. But Easter is about more than just past prophecy. That's certainly part of it. Easter is also about the future. So let's try another one. On Friday, if you were here for our Good Friday service, you remember that we talked about the fact that death rules as Lord over our broken creation. None of us can outwit or outsmart or outlast death itself. And so we all kind of walk this slow, steady march of life, and it's always leading us one step closer to the grave. And yet the resurrection of Jesus this morning reminds us that death is no longer in charge. Now, we may still die, but even if we do, death is no longer the end of our story. That's Jesus' promise. And it's it's his proclamation in his own resurrection. Through faith in Christ and through the promise that God makes to us in our baptism, we will live, even after death. We will live another life, an extended life, a life to live before God in righteousness and purity forever in our bodies, just like Jesus did. So how about these seven words? Christ is risen, so we'll live forever. That's true, and it's incredibly significant, and it means that we need not fear death because we have certain hope for eternal life. But even as Easter is about more than past promises, it's also about more than an eternal hope for the future. Now, yes, it's about both of those things, but Easter also changes everything about the present. It changes everything about the way in which we now live in our daily lives, in the right here and the right now. Easter changes every single one of us this morning. So let's give it one more try. In his letter to the Romans, as we've heard it this morning, Paul talks about baptism and he says, we were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. God's gift to us in baptism is an Easter gift. It is the gift of resurrection. And it is resurrection not just on the last day. God's Easter gift is new life right here and right now. When you walk out of these doors this morning, you have new life. It's a new life in which God raises us above everything that is wrong with this world. These are the ways in which you are resurrected. Jesus raises you above guilt and shame because Jesus left our sin in the tomb. Jesus raises you and resurrects you above selfishness and greed because Jesus provides for everything that you need. Jesus raises you and resurrects you above resentment and anger because Jesus fills you with his joy and with his peace. Are you starting to get it? Our life is different today. Because we are resurrected with Jesus to a new life in him. 
And because of Easter, we need no longer live in shame or guilt. Because of Easter, we need not work so hard to serve ourselves. Because of Easter, we can forgive the people who have sinned against us because Christ has forgiven our sin against him. And that's called new life. And it's what God gives you and me here again today, just like he does every Sunday when we gather together in his name. I don't know what brought you here this morning to worship. Maybe you've been here all Lent and you've been wondering how we were going to finally boil the gospel down to seven words on this Easter Sunday. Or maybe you're here because somebody in your family begged you to come and and you gave in and you're here. Or maybe you're here because that's simply what you do on Easter Sunday. You come to church. But whatever the reason, I want you to know and I want you to believe the good news of Jesus Christ. I want you to find the peace and joy that God delivers to us in light of Jesus' resurrection. I want you to believe and to confess the incredibly good news of the gospel. And this morning, we tried to make it simple for you. Just seven words that change our lives forever. Christ is risen. In him we rise. Amen.